Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot button internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning. This is Bennett Kelly broadcasting live from the Internet Law Center here in the heart of Silicon Beach, downtown Santa Monica. Please be seated. We have a great show for you today. Thank you for joining us. And um, I'm just coming back from the East Coast. Um, All of us have an uncle that um, every family seems to have an uncle that is everyone's favorite uncle, um, who's the one that we, we all cherish and remember and who's kind of who we hope will be when we become an uncle and maybe even at the father we hope to be. And I just came came back from burying um, that uncle in my family, my uncle Frank, who's my godfather. And um, so I just want to um, pay a little tribute to him. He was a teacher for 37 years. And I want to give a shout out to my cousin, Sean, for giving a wonderful eulogy yesterday. So um, we flew back um, late last night. So uh even though our guest is calling in from San Francisco, there might be a little more fog in the Southern California end of the phone today <laughs> than there is in Northern California. But our, our guest today, we're really glad to have. He was on the show about five years ago, and um, when we were talking about a different topic, and then we were talking about um, ACTA and um, copyright issues following the battle over SOPA. And our guest today is Mike Maznick. He's the founder of Tector, and uh, which has been a very successful, one of the most successful, I think, tech policy blogs out there. It's been going since uh, 99. And um, so we're thrilled to have him. Just a, a few things. Uh, we're going to talk about a number of things covering Mike's career at Tector, including um Tector is, Mike and Tector are involved in a matter of litigation uh, that we have talked about on the show. And um, 
Mike is not able to talk about that because the, the case is still pending and is on appeal on both sides. And um, so any comments made about the case would be, be strictly my own. And unless Mike endorses them along with uh, signed and notarized signatures from his lawyers and two out of three dentists. Um, but um, Mike will be talking about certain aspects of the, the bigger picture and the policy considerations involved in cases such as these. So um, without further ado, Mike, uh, can you join us? Yeah, thank, thanks for uh, having me. This is uh, this will be fun. So um, Mike has uh, is several um, claims to fame, and but the first is really you're the person that coined the Streisand effect. <laughs> I don't know if I would consider that the first, but yeah, yeah, yeah that's uh, certainly one of my claims to fame, which was uh, uh, making it a somewhat of an accidental joke uh, about a dozen years ago. Um, and and for, for people who don't know, I guess I can go into the background if sure. you want. Um, so, so the Streisand effect itself came out of a story in which um, there was a photographer who was um, trying to document coastal erosion along the the west coast of the United States. And, and he had this project where he had, I think, rented a helicopter and was sort of flying up and down the, the west coast and, and photographing it. And the idea was that he would go back, I think, every few years. Every five years. Was it every five years? And, and, yeah. and re-photograph the coast and sort of demonstrate where there had been erosion, which seems like a pretty, pretty cool project. And he put the whole thing online. This is, I'm sort of blanking on the day, 2002. He gave it, yeah, he gave it to the he gave it to the California Coastal Commission and they posted it on their website. Right. And, you know, and, and back then, like, you know, user interfaces on, on the web still weren't that great. And it was kind of slow and clunky, but you could go and you could see every picture. Um, and it turned out that, that you know, uh, uh, among the many people who, who may have homes along the coast, one was Barbara Streisand, um, who had a coast down, down, I guess, near you in Southern California. Yes, in Malibu. Uh, in Malibu, right out, right on the beach, and um, and she or her lawyers uh, decided that this was some sort of horrible violation, um, and and sued. I think they sued for fifty million dollars. I'm I'm blanking on the exact amount, but I, I vaguely recall it was somewhere in the range of fifty million dollars, and. Um, what came out as this as this story as the you know news of the lawsuit broke and the Associated Press had a story about it was that a grand total of and again I don't remember the exact numbers but I think it was I think it was well, like I do, the I you do. Have yeah because okay. yeah because I because I've actually been asked about this a number of times and I forgot that you originated the term yeah. but um and I did I looked up the lawsuit and and what was interesting in the pleading is her, her lawyers alleged something to the effect of God knows how many times this has been downloading and right. the wonderful thing about lawsuits is you get to find out exactly how many <laughs> that is and it was something in the magnitude of like eight right I, I was thinking and, nine but it could have been yeah. eight. yeah but but it, it gets better because i think like somewhere between half to two-thirds of them were her lawyers exactly <laughs> and, and and you have to imagine that the other you know two or three people who who looked at it you know had no idea that it was barbara streisand's out or, there just... or it was james brolin and you know <laughs> <laughs> right and so you know and so but 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 then immediately after 
you know, the, the Associated Press put up this story, and then you had hundreds of thousands of people who were going to look at that picture that they were so concerned about, uh, you know, that, that other people had looked at. And so, we, you know, we had written about that and, and sort of made fun of it, but I, I didn't call it the Streisand effect until maybe a year or two later when there, we just kept seeing more and more stories that were similar situations where someone tried to, you know, legally intimidate uh, someone to... to get content taken down and all it ended up doing was getting more attention and there was a story in i think it was 2005 um uh, having to do with uh, uh of all things there was a site uh called uh urinal.net <laughs> which believe it or not just i knew i should have sold it that com while i had it <laughs> that's right <laughs> literally just has you know it's a user-generated site where people submit exactly what it says on, on the on the name you know pictures of urinals nothing else just just plain old urinals and and descriptions of where they are around around the globe and it's this giant aggregation and and apparently there were some urinals that had been uploaded from the uh whatever the airport is in toronto i forget what it's called and the uh toronto airport authority threatened to sue <laughs> over these pictures of their urinals uh, being posted on the website, you know, on what legal basis, I have, I have no idea. But in that, in writing about that story, I, I linked back to the Streisand story and I said, you know, there should be a phrase for, uh, you know, what what happens when, when someone tries to suppress stuff and, and the opposite occurs. In fact, the, the act of suppression itself exactly. try, gets it a lot more attention. Why don't we call it the Streisand effect? And that was just, it was a joke, you know, and I may have referred to it another half dozen times or so, but I never expected it to, to, to catch on. And it stuck. So I actually, you know, you you would not expect to be able to get a hit if you Googled my name and Axel Rose. But, <laughs> but it, in fact, you will because uh, AP contacted me over the Streisand effect when Axel Rose was trying to take down the, the fat Axel photo. Uh, yes, I wrote about that, too. Yes. <laughs> So, but actually, there's, there's one element of the story. There's a postscript to the story that's relevant, yeah. and we'll get, get into a little bit more later. But um, the net result of the lawsuit was that um, the I'm not sure if it was the agency or the photographer um, filed a slap action. Yes, a slap motion, anti-slap motion, which um, is a motion under the California. Um, anti-slap law, which refers to strategic lawsuits against public participation, where where uh, someone files a lawsuit that is in, in response to someone exercising a First Amendment right and it's designed to discourage those type of lawsuits. So if this lawsuit does not have merit, um, you can file a, the motion and the case will be dismissed at a very early stage and you'll get your attorney's fees paid. And um, so not only uh, were there only about, you know, somewhere between eight and, you know, two um, people viewing this photo originally, <laughs> but she ended up paying over six figures right. under, the, under the slap judgment. And so if you, you just figure what that cost per, <laughs> per, per eyeball, um, it's, it's astounding. Yeah, yeah, and that's you know, I mean, that is sort of the point of of good anti-slap laws are are to um, you know to to stop lawsuits that that there had been a pattern of of lawsuits where generally speaking, the kind of rich and powerful were were using you know questionable lawsuits to try and intimidate people into silence, and and that was you know that led to the creation of a number of states, including California, putting together you know fairly strong and robust anti-slap laws to 
to, you know, well, you know, hopefully when people recognize the anti-slap laws exist to, to, to prevent those lawsuits from being filed in the first place. Right. Um, but if they are filed to then get them kicked out quickly and to, um, you know, reimburse the legal costs. Right. And because the whole, my understanding kind of the origin of it is it is came somewhat from the seventies where you know, large corporations were kind of intimidating public interest groups saying, you know, stop, stop dissing us. Cause we'll just, <laughs> we'll just tie up your budget. You know, for exactly. Three years in litigation, and you may win, but you know what? What have you won? Yeah, yeah, exactly. They just recognizing that even the cost of defending a bogus lawsuit was was too much, and uh, you know a lot of it was like developers going against public interest, you know, environmental groups and things like that. Where they were sort of a major target. You know, you had developers buying up property and 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 you know, and uh, public interest groups protesting, and so the response was to to threaten to sue and and tie them up in in lawsuits. You know, and, and with which is both, you know. Monetarily extremely costly, but then also just incredibly distracting, um, and you know, and and so, uh, thankfully, a number of states is now approximately half the states have right. have anti-slap laws uh, on the books. Some some stronger than others, and we'll we'll get into that in a little bit. But um, first, just a little bit about Tector. I mean, it sure. has been uh, there was a great profile done of you and Tector. Um, by Simon Owens, how entitled "How This Blogger Became One of the Most Influential Voices in Tech Policy," <laughs> and this is and I'm going to quote from it. It says, "By the turn of the dec decade, TechDirt was a central repository for all news relating to tech policy, and Masnick was one of the most prominent figures in a growing but still mostly unorganized movement that cared fervently about issues relating to digital rights." And it also credits you with being one of those the, the leading media sources in terms of educating people on the dangers of SOPA. Um, well, that's, that's very very nice. Um, you know, potentially a little bit. Hyperbolic. This, is this where you tell me that's that's your brother or? No, 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 no. Uh, it, it was it was very nice, um, but you know, I mean, there there obviously have been lots of people who've been been fighting about you know digital rights and, and internet freedom and all those kinds of things much longer than I have and have had uh, you know much more of a of an impact. Um, but but certainly I've been involved in in these issues for for a long time and and TechDirt has an audience and and so you know where I'm able to participate and help out um you know is is good and 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 certainly yeah i mean the the example of this the sopa debate was was a big one and um you know a topic that obviously that i was very very interested in and and wrote a lot about and and we became sort of a go-to source where you know i think when when sopa you know and, and i don't know how much background your listeners would need on sopa but you know it's this this attempt at a copyright reform uh, or not, I wouldn't call it reform, <laughs> I'd call it deform, but, right, right. <laughs> uh, you know, a, a copyright bill to, to allow for easier, um, attempts to, to really censor the internet. Basically, you know, you could accuse certain sites of, of being, uh, piracy sites and, and effectively completely kick them off the internet entirely. Um, and, and, you know, for some people who aren't deep in the weeds on these issues that might sound okay you're saying well that's a piracy site but there are there are a whole bunch of issues related to that um you know one being first amendment issues around uh you know if you know we we limit the ability to censor speech 
you know very very carefully and and you can take down stuff that is infringing but it has to be narrowly targeted towards that the information that is actually breaking the law when you're taking down an entire site um you're obviously taking down much more content than than just that that is infringing which raises some first amendment issues there are also questions about how this would be put into practice and there are demands on um domain registrars uh, intermediaries search engines uh, you know a whole bunch of whole bunch of intermediaries who would be forced to do certain things and that could mess with a, a number of things including um the dns system which is sort of you know the the basis of the the internet that we rely on and, and sort of the methods that would have been uh required under the law would would really um kind of mess up the way dns works and and, and specifically how some uh security protocols worked and so there were some some dangers with it there and and you know the 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 sort of arguments uh, against sopa was never about like piracy is good you know people try and um accuse me of of championing championing champ whatever <laughs> I messed up that one but uh, you know supporting I'll say supporting that piracy. works that works yeah <laughs> and and you know it, nothing is further from the from from the truth I, I, I don't I don't support uh, you know infringement in any way I don't think um, you know I, I don't think anyone should but um, you know the the unintended consequences and the ability to to use that law to go way beyond um, what people think and, and, and sort of the unintended consequences that, are, consequences that could come out of it um, were were of, of big concern to me. So I certainly wrote a lot about it. And and the bill itself, when it was introduced, um, for most people was, was fairly um, uh, non-controversial in that it had a ton of support. Um, you know, uh, the, both the House version and the Senate version had a whole bunch of co-sponsors. Everyone kind of expected it to sell through. Um, you know, there was, I, I had looked at one point in, in the, the, pre, the 30 years prior to SOPA being introduced, there had been 15 um, uh, changes to copyright law for uh, dealing with kind of anti-piracy or, or ratcheting up um, punishment on, on piracy and things like that. And every one of them basically sailed through with almost no protest whatsoever. So everyone thought it was kind of an, an easy thing. And so, you know, I, I was pretty vocal and kind of banging the drums about the problems of the bill and more and more people got, got involved um, and some with much larger voices than, than, than or larger megaphones than mine. Um, and you know all of that you know eventually culminated in, in everyone sort of bailing out on the on the um uh on on the bill and it, it wasn't passed well um we're gonna take a break in a minute but the reason why i also wanted to mention it because it it, it culminated in a very historic moment that you know is somewhat relevant for today we'll get to after the break but it was culminated in the internet strike where a number of internet sites went dark in protest of SOPA. In fact, um, there was the number of sites, I'm trying to find the exact number, that went dark. But the result was um, 10,000 petition signatures, over 8 million calls to Capitol Hill, 4 million emails. And you had um, people who had sponsored the legislation 
now opposing it. You <laughs> right, right. Six, six, Run, running six away of, from it. <laughs> yeah, six of people's, the very next day, six of people's sponsors in the Senate withdrew, and as well as a number, uh, 18 of the 100 senators who um, who had said they supported it withdrew, and, and the same in the House. You had this huge flip. But So we're going to talk about that more when we get back, but first we have um, these messages. You're listening to Cyberlaw Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Is your website hacked? Is your website displaying error messages or loading slowly? Even if there are no signs of malicious activity, your site may still be compromised. Websites, like cars, require regular maintenance to perform at their best and not leave you stranded. At Fjord, our website maintenance experts can help you assess which one of our maintenance plans will best support your needs. Visit FjordDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's F-J-O-R-G-E Digital.com. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. All of your favorite WebmasterRadio.fm programs on air and on demand 24-7. Find our shows on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, and anywhere you download your podcasts. Add some podcasts to your playlist as part of a better profit margin. More refreshing talk radio on air and on demand 24-7. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Warning! Listening to WebmasterRadio.fm daily may cause Webmaster insomnia and an increase in your company's profits. WebmasterRadio.fm. Stay up with us all night long. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. to Tech Dirt's Mike Masnick. And before the break, we were talking about the SOPA Day of Protest, um, the day the internet went on strike, as it's known. And Mike, I just want to ask you a brief question on that. If That was such a moment for the internet. It's often called the day the internet came of age, politically. And in this age of Trump, where we see this, this kind of tech activism on immigration, some other issues, dreamers and do you think um, we would be seeing that today without first having that event? Um, that's a good question. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I, I, I mean, it's tough to say, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but I don't think so. I mean, I, I think that 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 event did certainly show um, 
you know, how the internet could, could rise up. And it, it was sort of an interesting situation in that it was this sort of combination of internet users and internet companies. And, you know, and a lot of them were, were sort of the smaller startup-y internet companies. You know, the larger ones um, did come on board, but many of them sort of came on late after sort of the the uh, you know momentum was all moving in in, in the right direction. Right. It was this you know it was this really sort of ground up activism um, that you know um, you know that showed sort of the power that that the internet could provide. You know it, it was. In, in some ways, it was so successful that it was potentially damaging because then everyone, you know, you have two different problems with that. One, everyone's like, well, we can do this for everything. <laughs> and, right. and, uh, and then you have some people who are, uh, you know, who, who are concerned about this or that issue or like, can we SOPA this issue? And, you know, there were a whole bunch of variables that all came together um, to, to make SOPA work out the way it did uh, and to be so successful as it was um, that, that, you know, can't necessarily be replicated on a dime but you know certainly you know like the 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 protest on the immigration ban i think is a good example of that where um you know very very quickly you had all of these tech companies come together and sign on to amicus briefs and and to to make statements about it um and you know that process you know came together amazingly quickly and some of that you know certainly it, it extended in different ways but some of that was was sort of based on the you know, the framework that was put together during the SOPA where you could sort of form these loose coalitions um, very, very quickly and bring people together in agreement on, on a particular policy issue. And, and I think, you know, people saw how powerful that was and and it's much easier to, to put into place now than, than back then when it was, you know, everyone was sort of figuring it out as we went along. Now, now you wear another hat where you do have a policy hat where you have a in kind of a institute that you work with did mm -hmm. you tell us about that yeah so so a few years ago we started something called the copia institute which is uh, uh a think tank and it's you know out of that we do research and events and and case studies and white papers and 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 things like that related to sort of the policy side and this um you know it's it's the same organization as that, that puts out tech dirt um and we were just realizing that we were starting to do more and more of the stuff you know i i've I've kind of joked uh, and, and not even joked, you know, um, you know, you refer to, to Techters being sort of this, you know, very successful tech policy blog. We've never referred to it as a, as a policy blog. And, you know, and, and if you had asked me probably for the first five to maybe 10 years of its existence, I wouldn't have even known what policy meant. <laughs> uh, even, even if that's kind of what we were covering. Um, and I think that's actually a, big part of why it's been so successful i, I think if we call it a tech policy blog you know i agree uh, um you know a lot of the people who follow it and, and read it are not policy people they're not they're not legal people um they're they're techies you know and they're engineers and, and it people and and um and and that's that's really our core core audience and and to some extent you know i i say we've sort of we've sort of tricked them into caring about policy because if you if you ask them about policy they they just shut down you use the word policy and it just kind of scares people off um you know that that crowd at least you know they don't care they, they you know i, I want to code something i don't want to i don't want to think right. about convincing the government to do this or that um and um 
you know, but we've been doing more and more and getting more, obviously, more and more engaged in sort of policy related issues. And we'd always done sort of some research and consulting and, and releasing reports and stuff on a variety of different topics. And they were getting more and more into the policy realm. Um, and we finally decided to, to turn that into something that was a little bit more uh, of an actual entity. And, and that became the Copia Institute, where we're doing these research and events and, and other related things. Um, you know, around policy questions, you know, all, all having to do with the same things that we talk about on Tech Dirt. Um, you know, internet freedom, obviously, free right. speech, copyright, patent, uh, and, stuff like that. And our our listeners are, are are both legal lawyers and as well as just you know tech professionals and and just business people in general. And and so I I, I would recommend Tech Dirt. To them, because it actually, you know, there are a number of blogs that I follow for information on what is going on in the community, both legally and just in, in the industry as well. And I, I think, you know, in terms of yours and maybe Ars Technica, in terms of a non-legal oriented, mm-hmm. you know, blog that gives you information on the law and policy as well as industry trends, I, I think those would be two at the top of my list. Yeah, yeah, no, and 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 the ours is is great. I mean, I I highly recommend them as well. I think they have they have a really great team and really really deep knowledge and and understanding of sort of you know tech policy and legal issues as well. They're they're certainly one of my my top reads also. So we're going to shift to stuff that you can't talk about, but I'll <laughs> I'll, I'll explain why. But um, so earlier this year we had Brian Knappenberger, who is the director of Nobody Speak. And he spoke about the Hulk Hogan trial and some of the other trends going on in the currently where of um, the threats against kind of the, the free exercise of, of, of free press and efforts to intimidate the press. And that we saw both during the Trump campaign and um, and with the uh, the Gawker trial, which was funded by Peter Thiel as a the ostensibly or presumably as a revenge for uh, either bad treat coverage of him or for outing him several years earlier. Um, but it's the only case instance where I get to discuss um, a lawsuit involving Bubba the Love Sponge. In any, <laughs> any event. So um, the lawyer who brought the, the case for Hulk Hogan against Gawker and got a $140 million verdict um, also sued Gawker on behalf of another plaintiff. And we talked about this case briefly because um, I was actually wearing the, the T-shirt that you were selling um, during the show that said, I invented email. And there's a, a gentleman um, in, who actually at one point, I don't know if he still is, was married to um, Fran Dresser, the, the actress from The Nanny, who claimed that he invented email in 1978 when he was a 14-year-old high school student. And so PayPal, um, Peter Thiel put $10 million into the lawsuits against Gawker. Um, after the Hulk Hogan verdict came in, um, Gawker went to bankruptcy and they settled with um, the Mr. Ayer Dure. Uh, how, how do you pronounce it? Can you even say that? <laughs> uh, I, I believe it's Ayer Dure. Yeah. Dure um, for $750,000. And, you know, the always circumspect tech dirt <laughs> responded that um, for almost five, five years now we've been among those explaining why um, it, Mr. Aydure's claim that he invented email is complete um, expletive deleted. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's not true, not even remotely. 
And then, so the, the lawyer, um, his lawyer uh, subsequently visited the same um, mayhem upon um, Tector and Mike and uh, one of your contributors uh, filing a suit for $15 million. I mean, many, many of us may have been sued before. Um, and as you mentioned in your um, TED Talk, which is, all, is on our um, blog, cyberlawradio.wordpress.com, you can see the show notes. Um, you, not, not many people raised their hand when they asked, you asked if they've been sued for $15 million. And, and so um, the current status of the case um, is that um, Mike was successful and able to get the claim dismissed, um, but he also filed an anti-slap motion and the, the success of that motion um, would depend largely on whether the case was heard under Calif- considered under California law or Massachusetts law where the case is filed, because California has a very robust anti-slap law and Massachusetts does not. And so the, the court ruled Massachusetts law applied and did not, um, and so Mike was not able to recover attorney's fees um, as a result, and both um, parties are appealing the decision of the motion to dismiss. So, um, why we have Mike on though is this issue of anti-slap is important, and um, because, particularly in this age of Harvey Weinstein, um, can you imagine any? You know, look, look who broke the story. It was in New York Times, and um, in even then, the same lawyer that sued Mike. And that sued um, Gawker twice, uh, was threatening to sue the New York Times over the Weinstein story. But only an institution like um, the New York Times could publish that story or the story about, you know, the Amazon executive. And in that in this day and era, you know, think about all the people that pass on that Weinstein story. And so you want these stories to be told. And so if we, you know, and. If we don't have a robust slap mechanism, stories like Weinstein or stories, you know, whatever the next scandal is, um, whether it's, you know, you know, something wrong, a contaminant found in our food supply, or, you know, you just think of any story that, you know, there's risk in telling um, that has a public interest element. We want these stories to be told. And so, as Mike mentioned earlier on, right now, only half of our states, a little over half of our states, have a anti-slap law. And then, and there's various degrees to which, you know, they're effective or not. Obviously, Massachusetts wasn't as robust as California. And uh, there's a link on our, our blog to um, a, site, a website covering anti-slap um, status. And you can check to see where, you, where your state is on that. But um, there's also a push for federal law. And Mike, what's what's your view on whether you you want to do federal or just improve the states or both? Or um, I, I mean, I think both are important. Um, and um, you know, a federal anti-slap law would, would certainly be the goal. Uh, you know, having having one that you know for a variety of reasons. One, you know, you want that protection across the board. Um, second, I think it would be useful to have it have sort of standardized protection. Um, you know, so that when when someone is is you know, uh, giving First Amendment protected speech that they shouldn't shouldn't be, you shouldn't be able to silence them. Um, you know, with threats of lawsuits or, or lawsuits um, 
you know, that are they're clearly just designed to stifle that speech. So I'm I'm very supportive of a federal anti-slap law. Um, where you know there have been some introduced in Congress in past sessions. Um, there's one that that hopefully will be introduced soon. I know that there are are some congressional reps that have been working on a bill um, that you know has has been going through a bunch of different iterations and changes so i'm not exactly sure what what it's going to look like when it's when it's finally introduced um but i'm i'm hoping that it's you know it's strong you know ones that have been introduced in the past have have been really strong and would be very protective of free speech um and i was very supportive of the previous you know federal anti-slap laws uh for, uh, or bills that have been introduced um unfortunately they you know they haven't gone anywhere they haven't gotten enough support to actually go anywhere um um i'm hopeful that that future ones will uh whether or not you know even if we can get congress to support that whether or not the this president will sign off on it is another question sure <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm that's not. true giving this president's you know love affair with the media um yeah. now so an entity like yours and in the, the owner service here speaks specifically for yours but you know a, a tech um semi-policy blog <laughs> that, <laughs> that um gets a lawsuit like this I mean, it's not like you, all these you, you and all your 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 fellow um, media outlets out there have are sitting on these huge sums of cash to defend these cases. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you know, the media is a is a tough business um, and increasingly tough these days, as you may have heard from from lots of other people. Right. Um, you know, I mean, advertising as the business model is is almost impossible unless you have massive massive scale um and and it it becomes tougher and tougher and you hear all these you know different media companies are are scrambling and and laying off people and and trying to figure out other ways to make money um and nobody's really figured out you know how to how to successfully continue to to make money you know to to, to survive as a sort of pure play media company it's it's very very difficult and and you know it's been sort of you know i've been doing it for almost 20 years basically and and it's been you know a story of sort of constant struggle and and change just to just to stay afloat um and you know we've experimented and been able to obviously stay afloat using a variety of different business models but um you know it's 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 tough to be a media company and then if you add in um you know add in the 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 burden of a lawsuit and and it becomes even even more difficult certainly um and and as i've said in the past you know it's everyone always focuses just kind of specifically on the legal fees but it's you know the the amount of time that goes into um dealing with a lawsuit is is quite a lot and and when you're especially for for a smaller operation a, a blog or whatever um that distraction alone can can kill kill an organization right um, i mean if you're in a deposition for a week or whatever however much it may have been that means you you're not hands-on Right. And you you may have other staff, but you you don't have a lot of other staff. I'm assuming, yeah. and or or a company like yours, you know, it would be similar situation. Would be that same position, and and the, I think that what confronts organizations like yours is the prospect that, regardless of the outcome of this case, um, you know, I there's a there's a risk I may not be able to sustain 
this, you know, to get to that point. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, you know, that's that I think that's some of the, the thinking behind, uh, you know, why, why people and companies make these kinds of threats with the with the knowledge that especially for, you know, smaller media organizations, and we've seen other ones, you know, certainly lots of lots of lawsuits against, um, you know, smaller media organizations, some against, you know, individual bloggers as well. Um, you know, they just with the recognition that that anything um, that distracts them from actually, you know, continuing to do their job, um, you know, can 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 kill them, you know, kill them as a, you know, as an organization or as a blogger or whatever. Um, and it's it's a it's, you know, some people refer to it as lawfare, but they, you know, the ability to use a lawsuit as a weapon, no matter how uh, legitimate the lawsuit is, 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 it's really powerful. Um, and so that's, you know, that's, and I, you know, look, I was, I was super supportive of anti-slap laws and I've written tons and tons about both state and, and federal anti-slap laws long before, you know, we, um, you know, had to deal with some of this issue personally. Um, and, but, but, you know, my experience going through it has just sort of reinforced my, my view on the, on the importance of, of having really strong anti-slap laws. Now, and but you were, or I give you credit for your creativity, but in, I think also it's a tribute to, I think, you know, the stature of your blog had re- achieved in that you, you, you did a very, you, you went public and tried to raise money for, you know, your defense and your operations. And and I don't know if you can say well how what <laughs> you need to give away the the number but you know, what were you pleased with the response? Um, it, it, I, I will say it was very very heartening to have a lot of people um, step up and and support us um, you know at at whatever level they could and, and we what we did was we put up a, a website called isupportjournalism.com um, which you know. I, ideally, you know that name is very broad. You know, it's not it's not I support right. tech dirt or anything. It's I support journalism, and and certainly our goal is to to take that website and eventually do much more with it, and and hopefully support other, um, you know, other news organizations and other journalists um, when when they need it. Um, and so, but the idea there was to to set up a site and and to just explain the basic story behind what's happening, um, and to allow people to to help fund you know we call it a a survival fund and it's you know it's very much focused on on operations allowing us to um you know to 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 keep our operations going uh you know while we're we're dealing with this lawsuit and you know to 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 be able to continue to report on these issues and and to talk about you know everything that we talk about from copyright to cybersecurity to encryption um but also free speech and anti-slap stuff which again you know we we talked about before but we want to be able to continue to do that and, and the steering committee for the um, yeah. the, the website has Trevor Tim from the Freedom of the Press Foundation, Corey McSherry, who has been on this show before um, with EFF, um, David Green also from EFF, and uh, Mike Tatum. And um, so definitely check that website out. But you one point, are you still selling the T-shirts? Yeah, and then you know, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we, we you know we. We had started experimenting last year. Again, I said, you know, as a small media company, you're kind of always doing experiments on, on business models. And one thing we started doing last year was was selling T-shirts and a variety of different different T-shirts sort of related to the topics that we 
we cover, um, and we were sort of pleasantly surprised with how many people want to buy T-shirts, um, and it's it's a nice way to help support us uh, and to get a, a cool, fun T-shirt. And so, yeah, we, we still have T-shirt. Uh, yeah, t-shirt people ask shows. me about it when I wear it. You know, you, the, I invented email. I thought that was genius. So definitely, <laughs> and so not also stepping up, I think, you know, to to back Mike um, was the EFF, and they actually honored him. Um, this just this September. Actually, you had a pretty good September. You got <laughs> you, you got the case dismissed, although you know you didn't get everything you wanted on on the slap front. So, but you did get the case dismissed, and what two weeks later, you uh-huh. were awarded the um, the EFF Pioneer Award. Quote: Let's here it is. Um, as an outspoken activist for digital rights, the First Amendment, and free and open internet. For over 20 years, Mike has explored the intersection of technology, policy, civil liberties, and economics, making Tech Dirt a must-read for its insightful and unvarnished analysis. Now, was that your brother? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but no, but seriously, though, I mean, it was quite an honor, you know, coming from the EFF and um, you know, recognizing everything you've done. Um, so, and hopefully that it will give you further support and you know for this effort. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it, it was, it was, it was certainly a, a great honor and very, very nice. And, and I, I, you know, appreciate it. And as I, as I said, you know, at the award ceremony, I got to give a, a short talk and I, I said, you know, uh, to be honest, I'm, I'm much more comfortable sort of, you know, being in that audience covering what the, the people on stage have done. And I think there are lots of people, including the, the two other honorees, uh, that night, Annie Game and, and Chelsea Manning, um, who have done, um, you know, really, really important things and, and, and huge contributions, um, but you know, it, it was it was certainly very nice and very heartening, and and um, you know, nice nice to be able to get that support from EFF. So we're going to take a short break. I'm going to consult with the two out of three dentists, and <laughs> come back. We'll, we'll wrap up with Mike, and you can learn more about um, how you can help Mike in this effort and what he considers to be the hot issue of, of the day. Um, after these messages, you're listening to Cyber Law and Business Report only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contests and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. WebmasterRadio.fm is the destination for education, entertainment, and engagement. 
Engage with our panel of on-air experts and peers by following us on Facebook, Google+, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can listen to WebmasterRadio.fm on air or on demand from our website or through iTunes, Stitcher, or however you get your podcasts. Interact and stay informed. Just search for WebmasterRadio.fm. Podcasting at the speed of sound. WebmasterRadio.fm, the flamethrower. WebmasterRadio.fm, we're everywhere. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And we're back, and we're talking with Mike Masnick of Tech Dirt. Um, but a couple of few announcements and shout-outs before we go back to Mike. Um, just today in history, ironically, it's in, in 1898, the United States accepted possession of Puerto Rico from Spain on this day. And um, so we, we've had it now for over a century. And you know, what's the um, Colin Powell thing, the, the uh, crate and barrel rule? You, you, you take it, you, you break it, it's yours. Well, you know. Puerto Rico needs our help, and uh, we need to step up. And there's some information on the blog entry about that. Um, In addition, I want to give a shout-out to everyone um, who had the courage to stand forward with the Me Too campaign. And uh, it was really heartening and also distressing to see the the, the extent to which sexual harassment is out there in the workforce. And um, it was very courageous of all the you who stepped forward and um, major shout out to all of you. In addition, um, we have some information upcoming um, webinars. We have this going to be a California Bar webinar, um, the Privacy Law Series Part Three on and privacy and M&A transactions, and also the IP Institute is going to take place in the Hyatt Regency Newport Beach, beginning in November. So check out that information on the blog. Now. Um, Back to you, Mike. I only can get one of the three dentists, so we're going to have to switch topics. But um, no, but actually, there is one thing I want to ask you about. So I noticed um, I had a link to the public participation project um, for um, fighting for free speech that has a good summary of all the state anti-slap mm-hmm. laws. Being has a map, and then it has a grid as to you know what what they cover and don't cover. And looking at New York, it gives it a, a grade of D as a, yeah. a weak anti-slap law. So that the state that has the, is the media capital of the United States does yeah. not have an adequate anti-slap law. Yeah, New York's is terrible. I, I, that's one I don't understand at all because you're right. It is the media capital of the world. You would think that media organizations would, would be a lot more effective in lobbying for a much better anti-slap law. It's – it's um, it's it's really kind of amazing that New York's uh, anti-slap law is so bad, and and you know I've talked to to officials in New York about it, and it just you know for for whatever reason they they haven't seen fit to, um, you know they've discussed different anti-slap laws, but but nothing has has stuck, and and I'm 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 kind of amazed of all the states, you know. Yeah, exactly. Other- yeah, I mean I could see North Dakota. Let me, let me just double check <laughs> before I just okay. North Dakota has no anti-slap law, so I can make that statement. Okay. Um, but yeah, I can see that. But you know, but um, New York, that I don't get, and you know, DC, which I also double checked, figured that would be an important place. They actually do have a good anti-slap law. They do. There, there are potentially some issues with the DC one, but yeah, they they have they have a good one. There was a court ruling that that was a little bit weird on the DC one, um, not too long ago. But um, um, 
Yeah, I mean, part of the problem though is that you know a lot of the laws are, are, are different. You know, California's is pretty widely respected, and I think a lot of states have sort of tried to effectively just copy Californian California's, but others have put in other features, and so they're all a little different. And so, yeah. you know, when you're especially with when you're dealing with kind of the internet um, as as a whole, you know, the the fact that there's all these different you know, sort of different standards to, to deal with can, can be a little complicating, um, which is why, you know, like a, a federal anti-slap law would, would be so useful. Um, but, but certainly in the meantime, I think, I think states should, should really, um, take it up. I know Ohio recently introduced, a a, a, a new anti-slap law. Massachusetts is reviewing a new anti-slap law. Um, and so, you know, I, I certainly would encourage, you know, states to, 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 to take a bigger look at it. And I mean, even like, you know, you just mentioned like, um, like the Me Too campaign and, and sexual harassment and things like that. You know, these are examples where anti-slap laws are, are really, really important. You have situations where people need to speak out on, on important issues and, and sexual harassment and, and, you know, and worse um, are things that people have historically kept quiet and often because of threats of, of legal action. Again, you know, it's often, you know, the more powerful taking advantage of, uh, you know, those who, are, who aren't in power and who feel that they can't speak out for whatever reason. And there, there may be many, many different reasons, but, you know, the threat of, of kind of, you know, being dragged into a legal situation is very, very real. Um, and having stronger anti-slap laws would protect that and hopefully, you know, enable um, more people who want to speak out to be able to actually do so. Um, and so, you know, I, I think this stuff is really, really important. And what's interesting too is just looking at the map. There really is no rhyme or reason. It's yeah. not like it's not like the normal political fault lines where the red states are one way and the blue. No, I mean Texas has a great one. You know, New York, <laughs> New York doesn't. Yeah. And, and you know, go figure. Yeah, it's it. There, there is no rhyme or reason. It's it's very, very strange, and it's it's basically just which states have have decided to, and in some cases where you know maybe there was a high enough profile case that that caused the state to do it. I mean, Florida recently switched. That used to be a a, a popular state for for bringing you know fairly questionable uh, defamation claims, and then they recently switched and put in place a pretty strong anti-slap law. Um, you know, Texas, the Texas one is a relatively recent one, but is very, very strong and, and good. Um, Nevada has one now that's very good. Um, and it's, but it's, yeah, I, I don't know why. You know, oftentimes it's just somebody, somebody in those states decides to take it on as an issue and, and, and pass it. But, um, you know, for whatever reason, some, some states haven't done it. And you know, if you want more information on that, we we have links to um, the um, the state anti-slap law for the public participation project. We have links to that. In addition, we have links on the, the show notes to um, the decision in the, the motion to dismiss that was granted. And um, so if you want some more background about this case, and if you really want, want some giggles, um, the, the plaintiff in this case is running for um, Senate in Massachusetts and he had a according to YouTube an epic clash with Howie <laughs> with Howie Carr that um, I think might be you find very informative as to the the, the character or the nature of this um, this this person but um, it definitely is entertaining to say the least but um, so we only have a few minutes left and so um, just before we go what's the best way for people to follow you and learn more and and to help you in this effort 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, reading TechDirt, um, you know, that's where that's where we tend to, to post everything that's that's more in depth. And then, you know, uh, I'm on Twitter at mmasnick on Twitter, and I'm pretty um, pretty vocal there. <laughs> um, and so, th those are probably the two best places to to follow me or or whatever we do. We also we do on TechDirt. We have our own podcast. If people listen to podcasts, subscribe to the TechDirt podcast. I think that's it's a fun one. Well, thank you very much. Well, thank you for joining us. Um, so we'll be back next week with another edition of Cyber Law Business Report. We'll be talking about cyber defense. So tune in here next week. This is Bennett Kelly. Check us out at the Internet Law Center, internetlawcenter.net. Have a great week, and we'll see you then. Thanks, Mike. Thanks. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of Webmaster. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.